Welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host, Paul Arnold. I'm joined by my good friend, Ernest Watts. We started up this podcast almost about three years ago with talking about we were going to span the country with friends of mine that live in different places. And just in case you didn't hear those podcasts, I live in Michigan. Ernest lives in North Carolina. And Ernest, how many hurricanes have you had this year? We've missed them. They went around us. We've been lucky. There was a stretch where we had uh, a couple years ago two once-in-a-century ones within two years of each other. But one is skirted to the ocean. It hit, uh, it, unfortunately, it hit Nate <laughs> and Nate's home while he wasn't home. And uh, the current one is going through New Orleans. So we, we've been we've been lucky. We've not hit anything. We are the second most hit state in the uh, continental 48. Florida's number one. North Carolina's number two because the Outer Banks juts out. Because when um, the uh, owner, the former owner of the Hurricanes, moved them from the uh, Hartford Whalers, he was looking at two names, Ice Hogs and Hurricanes. And, you know, most people associate Hurricanes with the University of Miami. And a lot of people are saying, do you really want to name your team after something that costs so many lives and so much money in this state? And and better than ice hogs, I'll have to say. He probably took the better of uh, that was Peter Kamonis, who sold the team. Uh, but uh, again, I've been my I've heard about hurricanes my entire life. People, everybody here has a story about a hurricane. The older individuals talk about hazel. Uh, my age was is Hugo, which hit when. In 88 here, and as you get older, people have different stories of different hurricanes. Okay, well, I have a, a little trivia for you, and since the Hurricanes are your favorite hockey team, and they play this song a lot there, who sung Rock You Like a Hurricane? I mean, I almost tried to sing it, and I decided not to. What was well, the go group? ahead. No, 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 no. Wisdom oh, oh, I, counts for something. I, who sang Rock You Like a Hurricane? You know, and I have that on my queue, and I just blanked out. It's a German group. Yeah. And, uh, because they had to learn it. They're like ABBA. You know, ABBA could not speak English, and this group couldn't speak English either. But So they had to learn it phonetically. They didn't speak the language. Uh, oh, man, you're going to say it. I'm going to tip of my tongue, and for the life of me, I can't remember. I'm not cheating either. I'm not looking on Wiki. All right. Here's a little cut from that top 40 hit. Scorpions, rock you like a hurricane. One hit wonders. Yes. All right. That's our little... They used to play when they hit the ice. They don't play that anymore. Oh, okay. All right. So we'll talk a little about sports now as we've entertained you with a little bit of our hurricane knowledge. Cut day. Did we make the cut? Oh, is it? Hey, Cut me, cut me, like Rocky said yeah, in, in the well, movie. Cut Burgess me. Meredith. Yeah, yeah, to Burgess Meredith. Yeah, that's a, that's old Mick. reference number one. Boom. Or cut Rocky like your hurricane is old reference one. That's number two. All right. I think the big thing of the day is that Cam Newton got cut. Um, you could sort of see this coming because he wasn't cooperating with COVID protocol and um, Mac Jones was looking pretty good. And the third thing I heard was that the players really liked him in the locker room, that is Cam, and so it's sort of hard for a rookie quarterback to come into his own when there's a guy everybody really likes. Are you surprised by this, Ernest? I'm surprised they cut him and, and Brian Hower, uh, Hower, who was the backup for many, many years. And they're going with Stitham in his third year and Mac Jones, who's who's a rookie. I'm I'm a little shocked, but I kind of feel like that that uh, Belichick went to him and said, you know, Jones is going to be the starter. Uh, we want you to be a backup. And Cam probably said it felt like he should be a starter. And he said, well, if you don't mind, just cut me, and I'll see if I can hook on as a starter with some team. And you talk about the COVID aspect. It's interesting that Owen Meyer talked about today when he made his cuts down to 53 that, those who had not taken vaccinations were definitely individuals that he cut more likely than someone who had a vaccination. 
because if you don't have enough players, you you forfeit the game, and that, that I think that had a big factor on a lot of. I think Meyer is not the only one that think that way. I think a lot of coaches look to their players, and ones who didn't have vaccinations got cut. What about Cole Beasley for the uh, Buffalo Bills? I think he's one of the most outspoken players in NFL, saying he's not going to get the vaccine. Yeah, and well, Cam doesn't have it either. That's why he had to be um, had to go through that protocol. I I think it depends on talent. I think if all things were equal, they took the guy who was vaccinated in that extent. It, it's fascinating how this year there are some changes because they're uh, the practice squad is being extended to eleven players. It's normally only five or six, and you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks. You don't want to be in a situation like the Broncos were last year. Remember the Broncos when they had three quarterbacks that went on the COVID list and they had to bring a guy who was a wide receiver who hadn't practiced all year. He's off the practice squad yeah, and they good. got blown. Yeah, and they got blown out. So I think you're going to see well established quarterbacks on the practice squad. The other thing they changed with the practice squad was normally you had to be your first or second year. You can put veterans there now. So you're going to see older guys. You, you're going to see a Philip Rivers maybe show up in the middle of the season. I think you're going to see that because I mean, you look at normally what's happening with guys going on the COVID list, you're going to see some starting quarterbacks go on that. There's going to be a lot of shifting and changing. I don't know. What Rivers if, might be too busy welcoming his newest child. But um, the, it, I find it really interesting right now that the season hasn't started, and right after the cut date comes – we have coaches and people saying different things about the quarterback. You probably saw this. Brian Flores, the coach of Miami Dolphins, reminded his team and anybody else who wanted to listen that Tua was his quarterback. I guess the rumors that Deshaun Watson was coming was too much, and he addressed it. Uh, I think Tua has a lot to prove before I would be getting out in front. Does he have a confidence problem, Ernest, Tua? Well, you got Brissett as his backup, who was a starter for the Colts. And... He got pulled in a game that determined whether or not they made the playoffs last year. 16th game. If they'd won it, they would have gone to the playoffs. They got blown out by Buffalo. They missed out on the playoffs. I I think he he just doesn't look like the Tua pre-injury at Alabama. And it's interesting, the day before Flores came out and said that we just want to invest in, in high-character guys, well, Watson's not a high character if, if you see all that's gone behind him. And it's fascinating that Watson was put on the roster of uh, the final 53, even though he has not played one minute and has taken very few snaps in practice. By the way, Houston is also considered a high target for Cam because yep. I think we, we all know that Watson's going to go on the commissioner's list eventually. I mean, they're just waiting for everything to play out. You've got the FBI talking to all the witnesses. You've got law enforcement in Houston. You've got lawsuits going on. You've got investigators for the NFL. I mean, it's just a matter of time. And, and what Houston's asking for, three number ones, no team's going to invest that in a quarterback you may not have for a year or two years yeah. in that extent. So Watson, yeah, he's he's really in tough shape, but so is Trevor Bauer in baseball. I mean, who's, who would you rather be an agent for? They're both really in trouble, and they're talking Trevor Bauer is going to maybe suspended for one year, and he's going to try to appeal that. Um, gosh, both of them are in deep trouble in a way in this day and age. you just you got to have some significant penalty. Do you think you'll see either one of them on the field again? I think it's more likely Watson will be play again than Trevor Bauer right now. But then again, I don't know. If you do uh, do your penalty, if you get a year um, penalty and you act contrite and say, I'm, I've made bad choices and legally they don't find you guilty, then I think you, you might see him back. But I don't think all three things are going to happen for uh, Watson, I think it's more likely Bauer. Maybe I'm, I'm flip flopping here. I'm going now yes. to Bauer more. Dodgers will not ever let Bauer will never sign, suit up for the Dodgers again. Will someone give him a chance? Yeah, this is America. We're built on giving people second chances. First, both of them have to get by is 
prosecution. If they are charged with a crime and they go to trial, trials take a period of time. You're looking at two to three years. Uh, if something's worked out, you don't know. I mean, that, that's you've only got two victims for Bauer, and you hate to, to quantify it that way. You got 22 for Watson. Um, I got a feeling Watson, you might. I agree with your original statement. More likely we're going to see Watson on the field, not this year. But I don't, the Dodgers, I don't see. And it also has a lot, I hate to say this, but it has to do with their, Bauer is such a confrontational guy. And and just, just his perfect, his public persona is so In your unlikable. Face. Yeah, so unlikable that it's going to be harder for him to rehabilitate his persona than it would be Watson. And Watson, besides this area of his life, has been such a stand-up guy. And public perception of massage parlors is not a great perception, too. Well, uh, these are massage therapists. It's yeah, but Paul, for the general right? public, that's always... I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's a general perception. Um, and that, hurt Robert Kraft's reputation. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, let's switch on to another thing. We'll keep the confusion going. <laughs> desperately, desperately. Yeah, move on, move on. All right, so we've talked about filthy, filthy. That's a new word, filthy. Filthy lucre, um, yes. the love of money, as it says in the Bible, is the root of all evil. The not, love of the love of money. Not eat, not money itself, but the love of money yes. or greed is I'm, root. I'm correcting a preacher. I'm no, no, I'm trouble. getting there. Go I'm ahead, just having a hard ahead. time. Right. This diet coke's awfully strong tonight. Um, uh, so the Buckeyes have a quarterback who uh-huh. got a 1.4 million dollar deal, three year deal. From GT Sports Marketing, and he hasn't even played a game yet. He's the highest-rated uh, quarterback coming into college football. He, he's not playing because he's injured, and Ohio State is another guy. But he's six foot three, two hundred five pounds, named Quinn Evers. So here we are, folks. You know, here is the money flowing with the NCAA powerless. Um, it's almost like the abominable snowman and um, Rudolph Rednose. Ranger, uh, Ranger, wow, I'm having a hard time. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, when they pulled all his teeth. I mean, NCAA are teethless to stop this. $1.4 million. What okay, do you think, okay, Ernest? Paul. Is this just the beginning, or is this just uh, a blip? Okay, first of all, I pulled the abominable snowman's teeth. Herbie the Elf did. Yes, he did. Okay, sorry, got to get that part straight. Okay, Bryant Young, who is named the starter for Alabama, he has over a million dollars NIL money also. And it's interesting that when uh, Saban went to the high school coaches association meeting over the summer in San Antonio, the first thing he said was, I got a freshman coming in and has already racked up a million dollars NIL. Now, if that wasn't the greatest uh, uh, recruiting pitch of all time, <laughs> tell high school Coaches. Come to Ohio. I mean, come to Alabama. We'll get a big contract for it. Come to Alabama. It is the Wild Wild West, and it's because of a number of factors. A, the laws are different in every state. Some states have gone ahead and established their own laws. Uh, there's not a federal policy. There are several bills. They're not going to be enacted this year. They might be next year. And those bills refer to the amount of money, whether or not the player can be in the uniform or the jersey of the school they attend when they do these advertisements, if it can be associated with gambling groups, uh, whether it can be associated with certain types of uh, industries, and every state's different. Some states have an advantage. Some uh, schools, like UNC, have partnered with a marketing firm to do this for their players rather than the players themselves seeking out or having attorney themselves seeking out NIL money. Uh, one has already done an association with Dr. Pepper for, uh, what is it, College Game Day, Game Town? What is it? The little town that uh, Dr. Pepper operates using the commercials. The quarterback for Clemson. Fanville, yeah. The quarterback for Clemson is going to be in the Fanville commercials. He's getting paid for that. He's yeah. also getting paid by Bojangles, which is a local uh, chicken place here in the Carolinas, 
to do commercials with a quarterback from uh, North Carolina. So it's it's really gone real wild. Miami, um, there is a gym that has promised $500 to every player on the football team. There are people for the University of Miami that are telling boosters to, you know what Cameo is? Are you familiar with Cameo? Yes, well, you record a, a greeting of some sort when people pay you money. Yes, yes, yes. So they are um, telling the boosters to go ahead and purchase Cameo from each of the players as a way of getting money to the players directly, as opposed to in the envelope slipped under their door. Like so the old-fashioned way. Oh, I look... Yeah. I, uh, and, and the real uh, 180 is the coaches... Because up until the first of this year, they're like, this is going to ruin the sport. This is going to ruin the sport. Now they're actively using that as a means of recruitment. Clemson and Alabama, part of the recruiting package is come here, and we can promise you X number of dollars if you're a starter in NIL money. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 sad now. The rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've had... I think it is the last 10 years you've had the same five schools, I think 67% of the time in the final four, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. That's not going to change. I mean, it's, it's, it's those four of those five schools, four of them will be the final four again this year. I mean, there's the haves and the have-nots, and eventually that's going to lead to a super conference. And the the more the more proficient schools in the big five are going, I don't know if there's any of those left in the, in the maybe Ohio State, Iowa state in the big 12, but they're going to progress to a 60 to 50 team super league, which will be sectioned off. And that'll be your football. You'll still have what we used to call division one, a, which is F C S. And you'll have another layer F B S that the, the uh, Air Forces and the Navies and the Vanderbilts and the Wake Forts and the Rutgers and those types of schools that, that, that and Minnesotas that, uh, you know, play that the alumni loves to watch, but they're never going to compete for a championship. But guess what, Paul? They never did. Those schools were never going to be in the championship. Yeah, that's why I think basketball, the March Madness feels more like uh a sentimental story. It just now that college football's gone all money, it just it feels like the big powerhouses will just dominate and you'll watch it on TV, but it's just like watching NFL, which is not all bad. All right, changing subject again. Well well can I interject one more thing before we yeah. leave this topic. Isn't it fascinating that you and I, and again for all of you under forty, you can Google this how the worm has kind of turned because in the 80s basketball ran college sports the creation of the big east was a conference just for basketball i mean the ncaa when it first went to, to cbs when it went from nbc to cbs 1980 after that championship changed all the money came in for college basketball and smaller schools found a way of getting name recognition and that meant you could increase in enrollment and all that and when we went to the FCS back in the early 2000s, now football is the driving force, which was true in the 20s and 30s and 40s and the 50s to a certain extent. But now we're, we're back to it where college basketball is a forgotten thing. If you ask 10 people on the streets today who won the NCAA basketball championship, 10 people, maybe three can answer that. And and less than that, could probably tell you who were the last two teams that were playing for the championship. You remember who were playing for the championship, Paul? Uh, Zaga and um, oh, what was the other team? Gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. The national champions. Uh, gosh, I, you know, I hate to say See? it. Who Baylor. Was Baylor. That's Baylor. right. Baylor was a See, beast. That's, that's it. Now, when there was a time not that long ago when you knew who the final. Four teams were in basketball, right? I was younger. I mean, every then. year, I was more innocent back then. Younger, but I'm saying general <laughs> population. College football has eclipsed 
college basketball. But even with college football, you sort of lose track because you think, okay, is it Alabama's year or Clemson's year? Is it Alabama's year or Clemson's yeah, year? Yeah, but you know it's going to be one of those five teams that I mentioned. Yeah. You may get a you may get a stray team in there. You may get a team that's a surprise. But generally speaking, it's going to be one of those five schools. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the best and the worst of baseball, uh, or sort of sort of worst. The best of baseball, even though I, I saw a little negative text come my way, but uh, the team from Michigan, from Taylor, Michigan, won the Little League World Series. And uh, my good friend Ernest texted and said, I hate to break it to you, but there was no international teams there. And my son probably said, yeah, but we beat Ohio. We're national champs. That's good enough for us. So I agree with my son on that. So did, I watched it. It was fascinating. I loved Ernest. The kids talking about their favorite foods and players. One of the things I was struck by, these kids are young kids, under 13. And they were talking, their favorite players are Ken Griffey Jr. And other players that I know, like Chipper Jones, that they never saw. It must have been their dad's favorite player that they embraced practically and i also loved how they talked about their favorite foods and um what they'd like to do and i also like there was a, such a mixture of kids on these teams there wasn't all the jocks there were some kids that looked like their body was growing too fast there's some kids who were too small some guy had a little mustache it was all over the map and then they might mic the coaches i i think that was such a smart move because these coaches were not going to swear with mic'd up on national TV, which is probably a good thing. Um, and of course, so they weren't, they weren't going to pull a Trent Dilfer. We'll no, they yeah, later on. yeah, we might <laughs> get to that later. But um, but you know, it was what, a, what I liked the best. The questions I liked the best was the guy they asked who he wanted to shout out to. One of the players, a young man, and he said, uh, "I want to say hello to my girlfriend. She knows who she is." Play. <laughs> <laughs> You got five girls going, oh, he's talking to me. Yeah, there was a lot of funny comments. And then it was a good game, and I really liked how the umpire um, kept on telling the batters, get back in the box. Or the pitchers were pitching it one pitch after another after another. The speed of the game was really cool. Um, If I picked on anything, the umpire's strike zone went narrow, large, narrow. It, It kept on changing throughout the game. But um, all in okay, all, folks, a lot of wants fun. Robo, wants robo umpires. No, no, I did not say that. I did not say it. So that's my upper on baseball this week. Um, what did you think about the World Series? Did you see any of it, Ernest? I saw a little. I, I, I think we overexposed it. I remember the old days, you'd see the final on Wide World of Sports and Taiwan would win with these kids who looked 14 but were probably 21. Uh, you know, it's some of the, the year off kind of hurt. And I think the fact that it was just United States teams, uh, that changed a little because it used to be you'd root for the American team against the international team. And that was part of what brought the assignment. Now for Michigan versus Ohio, for those two states, that's a rivalry that touches all kinds of things. But for the rest of the the rest of the country, I think we really did miss the, the, the international teams competing that extent. I caught a little, but, you know, if it was a major league game, I watched it. Or if, if it was a replay of an exhibition football game or Canadian football game, I watched it. Sorry, priorities. All right. Well, if you've watched any baseball lately, you've seen that the Mets have two players that decided to let the fans know that they weren't so appreciated. The Javier Baez and um, uh, Lindor decided to do thumbs down after they delivered, got some hits, and won over the Nationals. And they said it was their way of getting back to the fans who had booed them. Well, Major League Baseball went crazy. Uh, They got a stern statement. You thought these guys were uh, hanging around with uh, Trevor Bauer, practically. I mean, they they said, you've got to apologize. And... They apologized, sort of. Um, Baez said, I didn't mean to offend anybody. Oh, yeah, right. Um, uh, and then Linder said, I guess it didn't look good on our part. So here is Major League Baseball getting all hot and heavy about a couple guys doing thumbs down while you have this ongoing case with Bauer and they're just staying totally silent. I guess it's a case of lawyers involved or not, right? Well, I mean, this is... First of all, you got a guy batting 200 is making 300 million contract, and, and Francisco Lindor, and Baez, he's just he just passed the two. He gets his free agent. 
He he's just hanging around. I mean, what makes it worse is, is a team that's gone nine and twenty-seven for the last month and has went from four games up to seven games out of first place, pretty much playing themselves out of contention. But Paul, there's a long history of this. When Ted Williams hit his last home run, he didn't tip his cap. He went straight into the uh, dugout and left and took his uniform off. I mean, was John Updike wrote a famous story. It said, gods don't bow to anyone. They certainly don't tip the hat. I know players, Albert Bell used to flip guys off all the time. I mean, there's a long history of guys making rude gestures on the field and everything. So I thought it was much ado about nothing. I think it's more because it was a team in New York and a team that's in a tailspin, and social media kind of jumped on it. Thumbs down. I've seen fingers flipped. I mean, I again, I, slow news day. I think that's pretty much it. And I think Mets fans are kind of frustrated because Lindor was considered the best shortstop in baseball, and he's done absolutely nothing. And Baez had a rough year before he came over from the Cubs, but he's a free agent. He's going to make his money, but but not with the Mets. I mean, he's not going to get signed by the Mets now. That's pretty certain. I think that's, yeah. a, that's a team that Degrom's gone down. Uh, Sungard's been out all year. That's just a team that everything has fell off the wheels off of it. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to something else that's lost its wheels or a guy that's hit hard times. When I say this name, what do you think of? Malcolm Butler. He's on the retired list, whether he's retired or not. You think Super Bowl MVP, but the Cardinals have, have put him on the retired list. I don't know if he technically is retired or holding out. Uh, it's, it's, you have to sign papers for that, and they have to sit out a certain number of games. That's the other problem. Uh, it, it's kind of the games that teams play sometimes with guys. Butler will show up somewhere again because of COVID and a lot of other situations and the fact that the season is an extra week long. Uh, the Cardinals just will need to get some some filthy lucre. Now, draft pick something for him before they'll, they'll settle this up. Well, Malcolm Butler, who's only 31 years old, after he made the amazing interception in the Super Bowl, he made the Pro Bowl, um, and then he signed with the Titans for a five-year, $61 million contract, um, and he has 17 interceptions in his career. So I think he's cashed in that one interception pretty good from the Super Bowl. I don't know if he's a top-tier cornerback anymore anyway. Well, you know, that's, there's precedent for Remember Larry Brown who played for the Cowboys? who got two interceptions in that Super Bowl victory over the Steelers. And he cashed in. I think he went to the Chargers or the Raiders. I forget which. Signed a big contract. You never heard from him again. Timmy Smith, the running back for the Redskins, when the Redskins beat the Broncos, remember, rushed for 150 yards, signed a big contract, and and disappeared. I mean, that's that's a one-game situation. Guys do that in the Super Bowl. There's a large percentage of MVPs who have – vanished from the face of the earth. They just showed out for that one game in that respect. It's, it's guys do that. And it's amazing. Uh, how, how, that's why I like looking over the, the cut list. Cause you'll see guys that either they're going to pick up in Perryman from uh, the lions is again, that kind of uh, harken back to something that people hear from me on this podcast, ad nauseum. The wide receiver market is so flush. I mean, wide receivers are in full supply that good wide receivers are losing jobs throughout all of football. Yeah. All right, ready to switch to another topic? Fire away. Okay, so uh, Rondo, who just signed with the Los Angeles Lakers, jokes that he's excited to be one of the quote-unquote young guys on the Lakers. The Lakers keep loading up with players, uh, besides Westbrook, they keep on loading up with people that used to be on the team, went away for years, and is coming back. So on paper, if these guys were five years younger, this would be an amazing team. But we know old age, old man age catches up with everybody. Do the Lakers have enough to stay healthy and to win this year? If, and if they do, do you think this will be LeBron's last year? So, so what you're saying is this is a great 2016 All-Star team. Yes. 
Haven't we seen this before in the year 2001? Remember when the Lakers and Shaq got uh, Malone and Gary Payton and they were going to go with all these all-stars? It, it, it doesn't work. I mean, health-wise, AD is always going to have injury problems. He has never played an entire year without injury. So you don't know. Who's, who's your three-point shooter on this team? I mean, everybody penetrates. LeBron penetrates. AD penetrates. Uh, Westbrook is a lousy three-point shooter. There's no outside shooting on this team. This is a badly constructed team. And defensively, they're not as good as they were last year. Uh, They might be a top-four team, but they're not the dominant team in the West by no respects. I mean, no, they're they're not going to. No, LeBron's... I don't think it's his last year. You know, his his dream and his desire is to play with his son. So that's two more years before his son would be eligible to come out if they change the rules and let fresh let let eighteen year olds play. He wants to be on the court with his son. So no, this won't be his last year. Uh, he's he's they're going to have to drag him off the court pretty much. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all my list. What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's we. I hate that we've seen the end of a tennis era. You We're know? talking tennis? Yeah, because this might be the last time. I mean, Federer has a knee problem that's probably going to remove him for the next year. Serena's pulled out of the U.S. Open. Nadal's out to the rest of the year. And Djokovic is a very unlikable champion. He's going to wind up with the most championships of all time. And we had a period in men's tennis where we had the three greatest tennis players of all time. It's kind of like if Michael Jordan and, and Magic Johnson and LeBron all played at the same time, which did not happen. And, and Djokovic is the only one left. Serena, I mean, you had these three players – Dahl, Federer, Serena, whose career lasts twice as long. I mean, Paul, it used to be when you were 29, you were done as a tennis player. I mean, the tennis players that we loved as a kid, Jimmy Connors won one major after 30. Uh, McEnroe was finished at 27. I mean, it's, it's remarkable what they were able to do. It's, the only thing comparable to what Nadal and Federer and Serena have done is Tom Brady. The idea of playing so much beyond the norms of the sport. And it's, it's truly amazing. And when it's going on, it's like Brady. We all gripe about Brady and we talk about, you know, those who talk about the def, uh, uh, deflate gate and all that. But when he's gone, we're going to go, Wow. It's the same thing with LeBron. When you have greatness around, and the natural tendency of us as fans is to pick it apart. It's like when you see a very handsome person, a very beautiful person, we, well, they're a bad tipper, or they snore. Uh, we do that with our sports stars. We tend to pick them apart of the little things. Well, LeBron tries to stack the team, or, or Federer only plays the big events or Nadal's only good at the French Open, or Serena looks like a middle linebacker. I mean, we, we come up with these criticisms that kind of remove the greatness of what we see. Uh, Brady always has Belichick, uh, you know, those types of things. And it's sad, and I'm by no means, if, if any of these athletes, probably the closest one that I'm a fan of is, is Nadal, because it's, to me it's remarkable what he has done. But you can't, you can't take away from the greatness of, of these five, uh, four, four individuals. Wow, Sorry, five good minutes on tennis. And I thought well, we were we going to maybe do three never, good minutes on Ronaldo. but Well, Brady there too. I mean, don't you agree that, that when great athletes are around, when Magic and, and Bird were playing, we enjoyed it, but I don't think really we appreciate it. When Michael was playing, we, we, we enjoyed it, but I don't think we appreciate it. I think it's the same with these these four athletes and I throw Brady in there also because father time's going to win. He, he just beat Federer and Serena and Nadal and he's going to beat Brady. I mean, he's 44. 
There's no 50-year-old quarterbacks, okay? It's going to happen. Uh, I don't care how much the TB experience, whatever it's called. What is the, the book? What is it? This Where he drinks apricot juice, whatever it is, some strange thing he does with this doctor who isn't a doctor. But eventually he's going to break down. And, and then we're going to go, wow. He'll break down have... as a wealthy man who's won the most Super Bowls we're, and married to a supermodel. Yes, where, yes. That's, where's the problem with that, Ernest? I don't quite know. Well, I'm just saying we as fans tend to, and I think this is, this is uh, part of our culture and our society, that when people, when people come up athletes and do remarkable things, in the beginning – we're like, wow, this is truly amazing. But then we start to slowly but surely pick them apart. We look for the, the again, the, the, the what we perceive to be shortfalls. Everybody's going to have some shortcomings. Okay, okay, when you were a little boy, mm-hmm. who was your biggest hero that you didn't pick apart? I'm not going to say, for Nate, I'm not going to say Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> uh, I think it was different culture when I was a kid. Because you didn't have the social media. No, no, no. I mean, just, just give me a name, and then we'll talk about it. Henry Aaron. Oh, oh I or, thought you were going to go with John Unitas or Brooks Robinson. Yeah, Unitas, but, but Aaron was first, Brooks and Unitas. But then we didn't realize that Unitas was not the most likable person in the world. Brooks comes off easier because Brooks was a fine Christian man. And did a lot of work with the FCA, and, and I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Brooks. But it's until Ball Four came out in 1970, we didn't know that Mickey Mantle was a, a womanizer and a drunk that had father issues. I mean, that was just something that in sports was not reported. I mean, this, and I'm old enough to remember this. Prior to 1970, sports was uh, bats and balls and scoreboard. And now we get into deep-seated psychological examination of athletes. And, and they tend to expose our, us to much more of that. Good or bad, that's part of the culture. Yeah. That transcends not only sports, that's entertainment, that's politics. and everything. But I would argue that kids need their heroes. They need to have somebody they can look up to, whether it's somebody at their church or at their school if it's a neighbor guy or their sports heroes, to me, Gordy Howell, Al Kaline, Bill Freehand, uh, we're all, you know, I looked up to them in uh, Jack Nicholson, a uh, Nicholson, not Jack Nicholson, the actor. Sorry, I'm having trouble today. Jack Nicholas, the golfer. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, I know. Whoa, that just went the wrong way. But okay. I looked up to all of them as, boy, they really, you know, used the most of their talent. They, you know, didn't get in trouble off the field or court. Um, and then as I got older, I realized they had their faults, too. Like, Nicholas like had some did. business faults for a while, but he was such a great family man. Um, uh, but anyway, so... Who are the heroes today? Who are the heroes today? Well, you know, Barkley would say, I don't want to be a role model. Um, but, yeah, I, that's a good question. We just saw those little leaguers... You know, talk about some of their favorite baseball players were players who don't play the game anymore. Guys who are in the Hall of Fame, which means they've been retired over five years. I know. So Mike Trout, I think, did, is did, one of the people they like to look up to a lot. Um, but he can't stay on the field. I, well, recently he can't. He, yeah. he was better before this year. Who who did they – was it just baseball? They didn't say like Patrick Mahomes – Seth Curry or anything like that? I did, some of them did. Some of them talked about different um, sports stars. I can't remember all of them right now. but um, I, don't, I don't see the overall. Okay, when I was a kid, people kind of fell into two categories. And I lived in uh, mid-Atlantic state at that time. It was Madeline and Mays. That, that really was, and maybe that's why I, being a contrarian, I kind of felt towards more Aaron in that respect. But everybody was either a Man or Mays fans. And it was overwhelming. Kids kids loved to Mick or they loved Willie Mays. And I don't see that overall. Maybe it's because there are more awareness of kids, of the shortcomings of human beings. But I don't see that adulation of a sports hero like when I was a kid. Do you do you have the same perception? Yeah, because media is so different now than it used to be. 
I mean, before we had the newspapers, we looked up the box scores, or we had the sports at 620 because we didn't have a sports channel. So you got highlights at 620 when the sports guy came on, and that's all you got. And I go even further than that, Paul. A lot of these guys you didn't actually get to see play. What you heard, you either read in books, newspapers, or magazines. Because NBC carried baseball at that time, pretty much it was Yankees, Dodgers, and Cardinals. That was that was the teams on teams on TV all the time. Or if Steady you did rotation. get to see them, it was a one time shot, like going to the Tiger Stadium or the All Star Game, and, or, or and seeing Nolan Ryan pitch, and it yeah. was just phenomenal. It's such an impression on me seeing him pitch. It was like wow, that's so much above. I mean, he shined when everybody else was just like standing still, practically. I think the the ability not to see them added to that myth mythologizing. I mean, Dr. J was somebody that I was lucky enough that I lived in an area that had an ABA team. I got to see Dr. J when he was with the Squires and the Nets. But for a large segment of the population, the legend of Julius Irving was a lot of myth because the ABA was not on a national uh, package. And you didn't get to see them. And even in NFL games, you had at tops three games a weekend. That was it. There was no Monday night football. There was no Thursday night football. And generally, you saw the local teams. You'd see the Lions. I'd see the Colts and the Redskins. So a lot of guys on the West Coast you hear and read about, which I think adds to the mythology of these athletes. I think Mahomes is the closest to uh, athlete that transcends different sports. Like they said for a while there, the number one selling jersey for the Royals, this Kansas City Royals baseball team, was Mahomes because he wore a jersey to a game, a Royals, and he put Mahomes on the back, of course, for his name, or he was given to him. And that was the number one selling jersey of anybody on the team or versus it. So he's able to just be so friendly, so personable, so dynamic. And, of course, he sells insurance with Aaron Rodgers. And the amazing thing about that, Paul, is you have a player for the Royals right now who's about to break the all-time single-season home runs for catchers. Salvador Perez will break Johnny Bench's 47 home runs as a catcher this year. He already has, I think, 36. And this is something that would be thought unachievable, Baseball games are broadcast anywhere. How many people are aware of this fact that Perez is going to break Johnny Bench's record? Baseball does not market for kids. I know they did that little program on Saturday morning on the baseball network, but but they can't find. I mean, Trout is a player who's very rarely on national TV, and that's why maybe kids can't find a hero, which is odd to me because you've got Otani. You've got uh, uh, the kid at San Diego. You got a Cura. Tatis got Ronald Cura at at the Braves. You've got Soto with the the Nationals. You've got um, uh, Guerrero Jr. with the Blue Jays. I mean, there's young stars everywhere, but kids are not buying into it. All right, let's transition to what you're buying into entertainment-wise because we're starting to wrap up this podcast. And if oh. you haven't listened before, we usually give Ernest some time to talk about what kind of movie he's looking forward to or to give us a movie or TV review. So, The Critics' Corner, Ernest Watts, what do you got? Uh, what If? Have I talked about What If yet? I'm losing track of things. That's the Marvel Universe uh, uh, animated series on Disney+. Plus. Anthology series. Marvel's making a big push for multiple universes because they've pretty much squoze up all the money they can get out of the Avengers. And since they've eliminated to the Avengers, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the last movie, which has been out for two years now, three years now, uh, and they really don't have any new stars coming up. They're, they're trying to market to particular ethnic groups or gender groups uh, Ms. Marvel's coming out. That's that's for uh, the uh, uh, Eastern Indian population, and they've got uh, Shanchi and the Ten Rings, which is aimed towards the Far East market. They've come up with what if, and the idea is 
the Watcher, who is this character who's in most Marvel comic books, is someone who sits adrift of everything and watches all the multiple possibilities in the multiverse. And by animation, they've been able to take Marvel movies and adjusted it. What if uh, Sharon Carter became Captain Britain instead of Captain America becoming Captain America? What if the Black Panther was kidnapped and became the leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy? What if Hank Pym goes crazy and kills all the Avengers? And it's an interesting view, and they got most of the original characters to voice it. And if you know anything about the current movies, which will be coming in, Spider-Man, the next Spider-Man movie, the next Ant-Man movie, and the Quantitarium, and the next uh, Doctor Strange movie, they'll all be dealing with the multiverse, which means pretty much you can take your old stuff and do it all over again with a different twist. It's called the alternative recasting parts. The next day. I, I have to say, I feel like this is so lame. It reminds me of Dallas when Dallas ended that one year and... Uh, Bobby pe- Ewing. Bobby Ewing. In the shower. In the shower and... Uh, and he comes out and says, oh, it's all a dream. And like, oh, come on, this is so lame. I feel this is sort of lame by Marvel. I mean, it's a, just a blatant way, like you say, to say, let's just make more money. But I know my son loves the Spider-Verse, you, the multiverse of Spider-Man, the animated one. He loves the idea that there's different versions of what Spider-Verse could be. So, And if you have watch you, Loki, you, you get you the same the- feel. I'm sorry, Paul. Have you seen the trailer for the next Spider-Man movie coming out at Christmas? I did. And I, I, I sort of liked it and I sort of didn't. It's like, okay, I get it. Spider-Man is frustrated because the the Mysterio set it up to make it all look bad on Spider-Man. So he goes to Doctor Strange and says, can't you do anything about it? So he casts a spell and when he's doing it, they mess up the multiverse and there's bigger consequences. And the old villains from previous... Spider-Man movies comes out to fight them too. Is that about right? Yeah, you see Doc Ock, you hear um, from uh, the Green Goblin, you see the Sandman, and you hear Lizardman, and you hear Electro. And from what I understand, most of the actors who play those parts, uh, there's a question whether or not William Defoe will come back as the Green Goblin. Even though all of them were killed or rehabilitated or gave up, they will be showing up in this. It's it's kind of like they're kind of cross netting. It's like the the uh, Mobius movie, which is another villain from Spider Man. They've got uh, the Vulture, which is Michael Keenan Keaton coming in to play his part also, which he's also playing Batman in the Flash movie, along with uh, Ben Affleck. It's just to confuse you. It's 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 just it's it's. They've run out of ideas, so we just come up with a multiverse. It's kind of like the old time travel thing, and that's been played. They did that in Endgame. They did the time travel type of thing. So now they're going in another direction. Because, you know, they're really looking for a new audience. The original people that started watching the first Spider-Man movie, which was in the 90s with Tobey Maguire, uh, we're all in our 50s and 60s now. So they're trying to grab... Younger kids with new characters. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's a reach for, can we say it? All together, kids. It's filthy a reach lucre. for filthy lucre. <laughs> and then we're back to what we started at. Okay, Ernest, our time is quickly going. Your final couple good minutes. Uh, football's back, guys. Football, uh, I watched, football. I was laying in the pool listening to Nebraska choke at <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> that game was originally supposed to be played in Belfast. Uh, but because of the COVID situation, they moved it back here. It's the earliest start ever for a Big Ten game, but uh, starting on Wednesday, and there's some great, great games, ECU, Appalachian State, uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, Clemson, and Georgia, which is the big one, Alabama, Miami, Notre Dame, and Florida State, uh, Louisville, and Mississippi State. I mean, there's some great, great football coming in. And I kind of like this gap for the pros because normally we get the fourth game and then the next week uh, we go to the first week of the season. We're getting this this 10-day gap. Uh, the last uh, preseason game, the NFL hates 
the phrase exhibition games. But the last preseason game was played Sunday night. And uh, this this little gap, which I think will let everybody rest up and do their testing, and get their vaccines, and get ready for uh, an interesting game. Tampa Bay and Dallas with a sore-armed Dak Prescott. And uh, I'm still sticking with my Titans-Packers Super Bowl call. Uh, my final four for football, and, and by doing this, I'm legally, legally obligating Paul to give his pro, his uh, broadcast also. I think it'll be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma. And I think this wow. year the national champions will be, drumroll, the Sooners of Oklahoma. Wow. Wow. That's sort of not surprising because those top four teams, but Oklahoma to me is a little surprised to win it all. All right, I'm gonna they, use have, some... they have a great defense, Paul. They have three interior linemen who are first, second, or third team All-America. I think this is the year Oklahoma finally gets a defense. I'm not a fan of the quarterback, Radler. But moving on, my final couple minutes are about soccer. Ronaldo, you can go home again, folks. You can go home. Uh, Man United punked Man City. Um, if you're not familiar with soccer... These teams trade ridiculous amount of money, salary caps for different players, and this is a rare year where we have the top two players, Messi and Ronaldo, actually get moved because of bad choices. Listen to some of our previous podcasts for that. But for Ronaldo to come back to where he used to play, and my son, who is a soccer expert, said that one of the reasons that United picked him up is the Glazer family said, if we don't pick him up, our fans are going to be so ticked off that he went to Man City. They're so psyched out right now because they made some bad choices with the fans in previous years. So, hey, you can go back again. You can enjoy going back to your earlier teams. All right. The book that is from basically states that that's not what works out. And it won't work out there either. Well, you are a ray of sunshine tonight. Look, Homeward Angel from Thomas Wolfe, North Carolina-based writer, wrote it in Asheville, North Carolina. Sorry. I know. I was raising the literary consciousness of the listeners. Thank you for enriching our our literary conscience. Uh, Thank you. That's what I'm here for. I know, and for a lot of other things. Well, folks, we tried our best to go over 50 old references, and I don't think we quite made it tonight. But we hope you enjoyed it. We like talking about sports, old or new, and how things go on. So enjoy the football this weekend. Awesome time. I know I'll be texting Ernest while some of the games are going on. So for Ernest Watts, this is Paul Arnold. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, or if you just want to share your lottery ticket with me, email me at gobluearnold at gmail.com and have a great night.